Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast daily. It is Freaky Friday, and we're off to a great start. Fantastic intro from me, Austin Ward. That's Jeremy Birmingham and Bill Landis. And we had so much fun the last time. We're going to go back and we're going to do another mailbag from our friends with our friends at OhioState.Rivals.com. We also had an interview, a Freaky Friday interview with Kevin Wilson, but it was so good that Bill and I decided that we'd just move that up to a Wilson Wednesday. So instead of anybody else, you're just stuck with the three of us. And Berm, what's your plan for the show again? Uh, just to be a moron for 20 minutes or so. <laughs> no, you know what I was thinking? Uh, I'm saying moron, and it reminds me of back when we really started one of our first podcast dailies, Bill and I, we were talking about doing a moron Monday. And I didn't realize at the time how important alliteration would be uh, for what we do on a daily basis. So we obviously have Woody Wednesdays, Freaky Fridays. I think that we should ask the watchers, the listeners, the readers to start finding the proper alliterative terms for the other days of the week. <laughs> well, I usually, when I write in season, I have Takeaway Tuesday with well, Ryan Day's press conference. So we got that covered. And then I guess Thursday's we just need to start drinking on Thursday yeah. and a thirsty Thursday. And we're, we've got the full week covered. I'm not sure that works for the show, however. <laughs> I think we did do that one that one uh, show we did at uh, Land Grant, a beer garden, was on a Thursday. And I was a, that, that was a thirsty Thursday. So that worked out well. <laughs> we were definitely uh, thirsty for that one. So if there's any other Columbus breweries that want to host us on a thirsty Thursday, hit us up. We're always looking for more partners as uh, the podcast brand continues to grow. Thank you, all of you, for helping us get to 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. By the way, we are thrilled to reach that milestone within, what has it been, six months? Uh, we were very grateful and appreciative of everybody following along with us on that and can't wait to make it even larger. Um, so, Especially yeah. because you guys are following along with us at this time of the year when there is quite literally... <laughs> uh, nothing that we can talk about that we haven't beaten like a dead horse but let's beat some horses what do you say okay well let's let's go straight at it like for anybody who's actually looking for football or recruiting information and if it's recruiting then that means it's mostly a question for berm then sprinkled in with some bill and then not really any insight from me whatsoever uh but just before we get to some of the silliness maybe um, Berm, you were asked who you predict will be the next recruit to commit to Ohio State. Uh, I always I find these questions sometimes troublesome because <laughs> there are a number of different kids who could qualify, but then there's always just the random surprise thing that happens. So I think the most likely, if you had to guess, would be someone like Sam Williams Dixon, the running back from Millersburg, who um, you know was offered by Ohio State at the end of December. He's an in-state kid. He he's his recruitment has done what a lot of recruitments do when the player is from Ohio and Ohio State offers, which is a lot of the other schools that were recruiting him have sort of stopped uh, because they, I think, see the writing on the wall and where it will eventually lead, which is why I think you see a concerted effort by Ohio prospects like Sam Williams-Dixon, who earlier this week on Twitter posted, I'm completely open to my recruitment because these guys still want to build relationships. They still want the coaches around the country to reach out and try to get to know them because you don't know, maybe something will come along that will just straight up shock you and then change everything that you thought about the process. But if I had to guess, I'd say it's probably Williams Dixon, a running back who um, is a, a really athletic kid and, and a player that Ohio state doesn't have a lot of uh, on the roster in the, the wide receiver running back room. Bill, I, I don't know if it's question 
far, far, <laughs> far, far less frequently than Berm does. But in the past, when I've been asked it, I just pick a random Ohio guy who has an offer who hasn't committed yet. It's, it's typically my stock answer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, could I be, you... it could be Sam Williams-Dixon. It could be Deontay or, or Devontae Armstrong. I mean, you could pick all three of those guys. Maybe they'll all do it together. I don't know. We'll see if we can work that out. I was just going to tweak it for Bill and ask which position he wanted it to be for Ohio State <laughs> so that he could just say, it's going to be an offensive lineman, and then yeah. we'd spin off in another tangent. They have options. There's three of them they've, they have offered in the state uh, thus far, and maybe they'll offer more? Question mark? I don't know. I mean, it's possible. You you could still see Ohio State uh, if you're looking at around the state. It really depends on what happens with some key out-of-the-state guys at this point. But uh, with Mark Nave at Toledo Central Catholic and the Armstrong Twins at Lakewood St. Edward, there is still a possibility, I think, for Jake Wheelock down there in the Dayton area, um, William Satterwhite, uh, who has been offered by pretty much everyone at this point outside of Ohio. Um, uh, Alabama has offered, Georgia has offered, et cetera. But I, for some reason, Ohio State hasn't. And, and this is one of those scenarios where sometimes – it's a lot easier for an out-of-state team for to offer a kid who's out-of-state than it is in-state because once you offer a kid in your state, especially at a place like Ohio State, uh, you are obligated to say yes when that player wants to commit. Georgia it had, doesn't have that same problem when there's a thousand Division One prospects in their state. They can offer some and then you know look away and say, oh well, we ran out of room. Ohio State doesn't have that luxury in the state of Ohio. <laughs> Always an interesting conversation there, and that's you. You can watch more talking stuff with Berm to get more insight like that. Yeah, we'll do one of those soon. We haven't done one in a while. Recruiting right now, coaches are sort of on vacay. Everyone's in in chill mode pretty much between now and the start of spring practice, uh, and when recruiting visits will really pick back up. And uh, quite so, sometimes, guys, I feel like it's intellectually dishonest to just have a show where I'm talking to myself uh, with you know <laughs> about nothing because there's nothing happening. Seinfeld was great. Okay. But uh -huh. it does not make a good uh, podcast series when you just talk about nothing. You're starting to turn into Larry David. I don't know if you're aware of this, but that's, you know, hmm. not, that's uh, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> but I just mean how wealthy you are. That's oh, well, that part is uh, woefully inaccurate. Oh, OK. Sorry. <laughs> Okay, um, I can I continue to put units on the Ohio State basketball team to win games. Therefore, I am <laughs> definitely not becoming a millionaire. You know, it seems like anybody doing taking the opposite tact since that became legal on January first in the state of Ohio, they might be doing quite well betting on yeah. the opposition. So would I don't that know. Make, would that make that person George Costanza? Where you just do the opposite? <laughs> Well, I think there's a pretty strong trend line here that's worth following. That's true. There's a lot of George Costanza in you. I can see it. Uh, Is that not the trend line you're talking about? I hope not, but I'm going to have to ask myself some serious hard questions if that's the case. What, what about hard questions that people on the Ohio State Got Rivals message board? There's a smooth segue. Yeah, that's much better. You got us there, Berm. Thank you. Like How that. many more years? Does Brian Hartline stay at Ohio State? The over-under set by New York Buckeye was two and a half, and he says that this just means the current run and does not include the potential of him leaving and coming back later on. Mm. Bill. Two and a half? Yeah. Um, over? It's probably over. I, I, the question, the follow-up question is, okay, if he leaves, where's he going to go? And I suppose now that he is a coordinator and we think is going to get the opportunity to call plays. That is a natural step up to get to run your own program someday. And is there a time between 
when he's a coordinator at Ohio State and perhaps a future head coach at Ohio State where he is the head coach somewhere else, probably. But I I don't think it's a necessity, and I would take the over on two and a half. I think he probably calls the offense for a couple of years, and then, I don't know, we'll see where Ryan Day is maybe relative to the NFL and whether or not Ohio State has to make a, a move there. If, if they do, and it's Brian Hartline, obviously he's here for much, much, much longer than that. Um, but I feel fairly comfortable still taking the over on two and a half. Mm-hmm. I take the over. I mean, I think it's a matter of how desperate other teams are, really, at that point. If Ryan Hartline goes out in Ohio State, you know, and calls plays this year for at some some level, and Ohio State's offense does what Ohio State offense does, and Brian Hartline is the recruiter he is, you'll see people try to make overtures. But I think the plan here seems pretty clear. If things go well in the program over the next couple of years, the decision to promote Brian Hartline to offensive coordinator, to me, indicates that there is a path to him being the next head coach at Ohio State. And if, if that's the case, then I don't see why he has to leave. I I also think that it's over. I have a hard time in imagining what would entice him to leave. I think we know that a lot of these conversations go back to money, but I don't – Brian Hartline got a second contract in the NFL, so how much does he really need? That's easy for me to say in my position and much harder because nobody's offering me several million dollars a year to go do a job coaching college football or NFL football for that matter for, for Hartline. Um, but when it keeps coming up with places like Miami or Notre Dame or anyone else who wants to put Brian Hartline on their wish list, a how how much money is it going to take to get him to leave his alma mater and where he's comfortable and where he's built a house and where his kids are growing up? I, this is where he wants to be. And if the part that you guys have both alluded to is true, that there is a path to being the head coach. I'm not sure what incentive there really is for him to leave because having him within the program ensures that continuity into the future. Just that's from the Ohio State side, and I'm sure that Brian Hartline sees it that way for himself as well. So he's going to be making enough money now, and he's getting enough and getting added responsibility in some form or fashion. We'll see exactly what that looks like after spring ball and into August and September with the play calling. But you know, there's not there's not anything really out there that another program could offer him to further advance his career than the spot that he's in. And if Notre Dame had their own Brian Hartline and they just let him get poached away by Alabama. So uh, I don't know that why, why they keep being brought up as a potential landing spot just because he played football with Marcus Freeman. Like that's not what motivates everyone. Oh, I played ball with this guy. I will coach for him. Like that's not the way it works. Does, does, do people around the Notre Dame program not understand that the Fighting Irish do not pay their coaching staff very well? Is that some sort of mystery to them? I think I, that's I probably that the private. I think that's the private school like veil, right? Like I don't think people understand how how behind Notre Dame really is in that space. Yeah, um, but anyway, the other part of that is you're obviously not going to make a lateral move if you're the coordinator for Brian Hartline, and as we've seen with Kevin Wilson and some others, like. Do you want to take a guaranteed um, – are you going to leave a guaranteed seven-figure job as an offensive coordinator or high-level position coach at Ohio State to go be a Mac head coach? Like, I'm not sure that that makes a lot of sense for Brian Hartline's career path at this point, and that seems to be the case for several other people on Ohio State's staff as well. Um, Kevin Wilson eventually did decide that he wanted one and that it was a good fit for him at Tulsa, but we've seen that with – you know, whether that's Tony Alford or – yeah, several other Ohio State coaches who've had job offers available to them. Like that's just not as appealing as taking big checks from Ohio State to compete for championships. Do we think Brian listens to this? He listens, right? Brian, listen to me. 
don't <laughs> take the Rutgers job. When they yeah. come calling, just say no. Yeah, I'm not sure that Brian wants to listen to a lot of Urban Meyer like you know um, imp- impositions, but Chris Ash should have listened to that one. So if <laughs> if you can go back in time and and you get that call, don't do it. Don't shouldn't do Jeff Halfley have listened to the same advice? <laughs> yep, <laughs> probably. But I like that Kevin Wilson said to us on Wednesday, Bill, that they do listen. <laughs> Uh, we knew that some people did like Riley Jeffers was a big fan of the program. So he, mm-hmm. uh, he kept, uh, up, up to date with everything that we were talking about. And I thought that that was certainly, uh, a nice admission from Kevin Wilson that they might claim that they don't, but they all do. Yeah. We should like drop subtle hints to a different coach every episode. I've been doing that for two years with one of them. Is it, hasn't done anything. Is it, is it really subtle if you're saying, yeah, a, P.S. Brian Hartline, if you're listening? Like, that's not entirely <laughs> subtle. A little direct. That's true. Fair point. So we're uh, all in agreement then. The over. Huzzah. Over. Yeah. Oh, well, if, if Berm's betting on it, that means that we're both going to lose, Bill. We're supposed to fade everything that he does. Yeah, uh, he's going to be the Jets coach in like a year and a half. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> that would be something that what a meteoric rise through the ranks for Berm to go coach i believe in uh, Zach Wilson. well that's you're a perfect fit then <laughs> i i like this question uh a lot and i because it made me think half of it was easy for me and the other half wasn't what are your player comparisons for kyle mccord and devin brown Like, that's good okay so i did i cheated so i saw the question and i as i admitted i thought about it for a long time i think all three of us will say that we see some elements or many elements of joe burrow in devin brown we've talked about that before so i think what's more interesting is what people are trying to i think get an understanding of why we think that kyle mccord has a lead and can still be the the guy when there's not as much excitement around him right like that's sort of been the vibe we we know that he can lead Ohio State. Will he? We'll see. But why do we feel that way? Uh, and who does he remind me of? The the best answer that I could come up with was Matthew Stafford. And you guys can uh, buy into that or not buy into it. Tell me where I'm wrong. Um, I was just he's not gonna he's not checking big. He's six three. He's two hundred twenty pounds. Kyle McCord. That's basically the exact same physical measurables that Matthew Stafford plays at. Um, so. From that perspective, it made for an easier uh, comparison. I think that Matthew Stafford could pick up a couple yards on the ground if need be, but he's not going to blow anybody away with downfield rushing ability. He can extend some plays in the pocket and do some things creatively. I think that Kyle McCord probably doesn't get enough credit for his potential ability to do that for Ohio State, but he's also not going to be Josh Allen. He's not going to uh, run the zone read. He's not. He's certainly not Lamar Jackson. Uh or Patrick Mahomes, or anybody of, of that ilk. Uh, but he has a very big arm. I think he's got an ability to make all the throws that are needed. One Ohio State wide receiver told me recently that it's some sometimes Kyle McCord throws it too hard, and he doesn't <laughs> like how hard that it hits his hands, uh, and that maybe he's got to develop some of that touch. I don't know that that's dissimilar to what Matthew Stafford went through early in his college career. So I may be way off base, but I had I did have to think about it for a while before I reached that conclusion. I think that's a fair comparison if we're talking non Ohio State. I, I I always try to 
you know, narrow it down. I would think that the comparison really for, for Kyle is Dwayne Haskins. I mean, it's, there's a lot of similarities in the game that they want to play uh, in, in the way, in the style that they are best utilized. Again, Dwayne, Dwayne could move a little bit more than people knew. He just didn't like to do it and he didn't get asked to do it. Kyle will not be asked to do it if he's the starter uh, that much. Uh, certainly 6'3", 220, that range. I mean, there, there's some a lot of similarities there. Big arm has to develop the ability to, to put the ball uh, a little bit more accurate and a little bit less uh, velocity driven, as, as you just said. So, I mean, I think that mm-hmm. there's comparisons there. I do like the Stafford one, though. That's that's certainly, I think, maybe a bit more apt. But um, Dwayne, as far as recent Ohio State quarterbacks go, I think it'd be Dwayne. Yeah, I think Kyle... Kyle might have like a better fastball than Dwayne, maybe, uh, and and Dwayne perhaps a little more touch than Kyle has, but I think the the ideas behind them are, are similar, as Berm said. I think like any like big strong arm dude is a good comparison for Kyle. <laughs> That's kind of what he is. Kyle or Devin is is not quite as big. Um, I don't even know. Like I think Devin compares with Joe Burrow almost more like personality wise than he does maybe even even player wise. Like because I think. Devin, Devin has, uh, at least from what I can tell watching, it's just watching high school tape, but uh, what I like to call the crazy person trait, which is you're perfectly comfortable turning your back on a play to try to make something happen. <laughs> and I don't know uh, if Joe Burrow quite does that. Maybe he did it when he was at, at uh, in high school because he was a baller back then for sure. Um, but he doesn't do it now. And I guess maybe you don't you have a short shelf life in the NFL if you play that way. Um, <laughs> but... Like I don't, I think that like I've seen like Sam Darnold as a comparison for Devin Brown, which I don't know if that's one you want to embrace. Holy, <laughs> given how Sam Darnold's professional no. career has gone, um, I like he's not the same size as Justin Herbert, but like I think maybe a little similar in play style, perhaps with with the way that those guys can extend plays. I think Herbert's like six six, and Devin Brown is not nearly that big, but I think the ideas are, are maybe on the on the same wavelength, but. Um, honestly, like, I don't, I don't know, like the, the two of them, how different are they? Like, I, I, I know Ryan day and, and maybe Corey Dennis too has said like, you know, two guys, different styles, maybe it'd be a better question for Berm Cause he watched them both in recruiting. Like how different are the two styles of these guys? It's pretty different in the way it looks. I don't think it's ultimately that different in the outcome. Um, and, and that's what you're looking for at Ohio state is, is, is success at the end of the play. Um, Devin is a much more just fluid athlete. It looks natural when he's out there running around Kyle. It doesn't, but that doesn't mean you can't move. Um, and so I, that's where the Joe comparison, Joe, now that he's, you know, he's 25, Joe doesn't look that natural anymore running around in the pocket. Like he looks kind of, <laughs> looks kind of goofy to be honest, but he, he gets it done. I'm not sure it ever looks that natural and he's got extreme. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it, it certainly did when he was younger. It, it was his his pocket awareness is so different than most guys, and so I don't want to put that sort of thing on on Devin because that is an elite, elite, elite trait that Joe Burrow has. That not, I mean, we're talking Tom Brady, Joe Burrow type of pocket awareness. I I don't think that Devin has that yet because he does think, how can I extend this play? Where Joe's thought is, how can I get rid of this ball and get a first down? Um, and or or pick up three yards and i think that for any young quarterback the real challenge is when do you accept that three yards moving forward is better than three yards moving backwards and and (laughs) you know the chance of of a 30 yard play or a negative 10 yard play sometimes you're better off just taking the four yard 
play and getting a second down. So uh, I, I don't know how different they will look this spring. I think that's kind of the question that I have is how much is Ryan Day going to want them to do like things so he can compare them apples to apples. Um, and that's something I, I'm really interested in to see the spring, but com- I hate comparisons because it's, it's sort of, what does they say? Comparison is the thief of joy, right? Um, I'd yeah. rather just watch what they do and, and like to see how their game translates to what Ohio state is and, um, and what Ohio state wants, because they are different than Justin. They're different than Dwayne, different than Troy, different than Braxton. I mean, they're all, they're all very different guys, but Joe, and Devin, if we're talking similarities, Bill's right on. Like it's it's the off the field thing. It's this like we we said it at the Peach Bowl. Devin Brown has an it factor to him that is different. Kyle is very confident, but it's a quiet like under the under the vest confidence where he doesn't he's not going to let anyone know what's going on in his head. Devin is you know emotions on the sleeve all the time. I thought it was interesting. Um, so I wrote about uh, the quote that Corey Dennis gave when I asked about that. I was like, how different do, does the coaching staff actually view these guys? How differently do they view them? And he said, well, it's, they are different, but it's not night and day different. And I think that that's sort of maybe what we've been trying to get at throughout all this going into spring camp, certainly when we had the position preview with the quarterbacks. like Just because one may be slightly better at doing one thing over the other, or, or maybe even more than slightly, it's it can be negated by other things that they call them extraordinary talents at, at Ohio State, but um, I don't think that anything just because one is a ten on it doesn't mean the other is a zero. If that mm. may, like it's more like a, a ten or a seven, and that means that both are more than capable of running the Ohio State offense. I don't know if that's a, a, I don't know if I described that as well as I wanted to, yeah. but. I mean, I think people are get caught up in this in this conversation right now because there does seem to be a departure from what Ryan Day was looking for when he recruited Kyle McCord over J.J. McCarthy versus what he's signed in the two classes since with Devin Brown and Lincoln Keenholz. Um, Devin Brown and Kyle McCord were both picked by Ryan Day as the guy they wanted as quarterback. Devin Kyle mm-hmm. McCord got picked over J.J. McCarthy because in high school, Kyle McCord's ability to put the ball in the right spot uh, sometimes a little bit too hard, sure, but he was accurate with the ball and quick with the ball, where J.J. McCarthy was sort of a freelancer. Now we see people wondering, oh, is that what Ryan Day actually wants because he's seeing the, the difference in the offense? I don't think that's the case. I think the, the goal is to have those guys run the offense, the same offense, and and use their strengths to their strengths. And it doesn't have to be, you know, even when Justin Fields, who's the most athletic quarterback in the world, he wasn't out there being asked to to run for a hundred yards a game, so I don't think it really matters. Okay, uh, yeah, that was in the world, the most athletic in, quarterback in the no. world. Yeah, no, none of us corrected you on that. We heard you. Uh, I don't. I think I certainly agree, and I hope that the Bears put some things around him so that if anybody was personally collecting his rookie cards, that they. <laughs> Uh, might take on more value moving forward. Out of all the position groups on the team, which group has the best collection of personalities and any fun interactions with an individual in the position group that you selected? I thought that was really difficult to answer. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if I have any like fun anecdotes to, to share, but I, I like when 
a position group comes out to talk to us like as sort of like as a whole and you get sort of the a range of personalities within that and I don't know on this current roster I was just like looking through some of the guys like defensive line kind of jumped out to me because like Jack Sawyer is a guy who very much speaks his mind JT Tuimolowau is somewhat a man of few words but I think is pretty thoughtful Tyleek mm-hmm. Williams I think could be very funny um my Kaden Curry is we yeah, Mike Hall is a similar guy. Like Caden Curry, I think is a little more serious, but I think you can get some probably like good football stuff out of him. So Caden has um, a very Caden's got a very understated cockiness to him that if you do, if you get a chance to just talk to him one on one, like you sense it. I think the defensive line is the right group as far as just personalities go right now. Um, and the offensive line, the offensive line is always great when it comes to that. But it's not like it's not like five years ago where you had a special teams room with Lee McCullough and Drew, Drew Crispin and guys doing bottle flipping and all the fun stuff. I mean, this ser- the program is, uh, is serious at this point. <laughs> I like to just add D's on the end of words randomly. Dutify. Um, serious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Turn everything okay. into a verb. So you are verbs. also taking the, <laughs> the yeah, defensive but- line group. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, there's if you look at former position groups, like I said, running back. I mean, it, it's just a bunch of serious guys on this team right now. It's and I I think that's good. I mean, it, it's a it's a it's a group that's about their business. Period. Period. Did did did. Period. Um, I think linebackers probably underrated in that respect. Mm. Uh, Berman, I had a, a fun interaction with Tommy Eichenberg recently. Believe it or not. It didn't result in any content, and it wasn't fun in the moment. But uh, he's also going on the Buckeye cruise at the end of the month, which I think will be a fascinating social experiment <laughs> for everybody. Uh, but between you know him and Steel Chambers and C.J. Hicks and and then the the stately Cody Simon, you've got some nice nice dudes to talk to. Uh, some may say more than others, but I think that's a pretty pretty uh, interesting collection of humans there. Yeah. Did Tommy lose a bet? How did he end up on the Buckeye Cruise? I think we're going to have to. I think he won a bet. I think he won a bet. <laughs> it's a nice week off. Um, yeah, it, it pays to know Bobby Carpenter. Um, yeah. I think we'll we'll just leave it at that. Um, I think it's important to just qualify. This Ohio State team, and I, I say it every year when we're doing signing day stuff, like this is a really great group of kids on this team. So. I'm not trying to suggest anyone, you know, is, is boring or whatever, because they're serious. It's just not, it's not a group that anymore is interested in doing stuff for, for lulls, you know, not a lulls yeah. group. Uh, this was, this was a, a fun question for me. Um, where did Austin buy those awful pants he wore at the coaches availability <laughs> last week? And did any of the coaches give him crap about them? Wow. That's, that's pass, pass run. Thank you for noticing. Um, yes, they, several of them did. And I think that they enjoy the fact that I spice up, uh, the wardrobe because sports writers are probably the worst dressed people on the planet. And I'm not saying that me wearing red pants improved that in any way, but it did add some variety. (laughs) And I've been doing this now for, um, too long, 20 years. And <clears throat> I don't want to be, I don't ever want to get into this where I'm wearing the middle-aged sports writer official uniform. 
which this is not specific to anyone at Ohio State. It's what I've seen throughout my career, which is, you know, athletic, white athletic socks pulled up to the calf, some lawn mowing <laughs> shoes, cargo shorts, and uh, a stretched out mustard stained polo, <laughs> probably purchased at Kohl's 15 Two sizes years too ago. Big. Two sizes too big. So that could, you know, if you see somebody wearing that, you could probably guess that they they are a sports writer. And I'm again, I'm not trying to single anybody out, but I I don't want to get. Into I like that, that you've gone I, decidedly the opposite direction, though, by wearing the <laughs> some of the like the weirdest collection of shorts and pants that anyone. Yeah. Has. I mean, it's not it's not stylish by any stretch. <laughs> That's all right. Well, I mean, you've been very critical of of my clothing choices as well, Berm, and so this Just, is I'm trying to help you out. Trying to, to help stick you out. it That's to. Come on. What's I mean, wrong? With I think it? it's a great look. Listen, I, I think that it is important to, to under to underline the point here. Yes, the coaches made fun of him. And <laughs> that that's what's important. Uh, but also, I think we go back to the it's called, a, asked, it's called an icebreaker. You asked if Brian Hartland listens to the show. And I know that he at least listened to the episode where I talked about a deer hitting my car because he still asks me every time uh, if I hit any deer on my way to Ohio State that day when I'm <laughs> see him. So he's paying attention at least to that. He, he, he did not, however, respond to the calls to play me in Madden. Mm, there's still time. Also, you know, Quinn Temple and Keenan Bailey were jealous of my pants. I think it should be said. They wish that they were allowed to wear them. That Do you, um, are you, are you guys aware of the, the golf Raider, Doug Ferguson, the AP golf Raider? Mm-hmm. He like wears a Hawaiian shirt to everywhere because he wanted to be known as the Hawaiian shirt guy. Every golfer knows who he is because he's the Hawaiian shirt guy. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. It's a, it's an identity. <clears throat> I, I every time I think about Hawaiian shirts, I think of a quote from Homer Simpson that I'm not allowed to say apparently for some reason. But mm. you can look it up. Look it up on the internet, America. Homer Simpson Hawaiian shirts, and then <clears throat> that's all I think about. So I don't know. Okay. I mean, so, I, I think style style is certainly not uh, something that the beat is full of let's just be clear yeah, that's uh, damn sure <laughs> austin is not alone in the fact that he sometimes uh wears things that look poor i mean we all do it what about it is poor just because you want me to dress like everybody else no, you want me no, to get some cargo shorts and pull up my socks real high and come on berm i don't wear those things i didn't say I, you did but you said you like want me to look like else. everybody else. You say that's implying that I am like everyone else. I think that it's important to be yourself. That's what's really that's what's really important here. If Austin wants to wear those but, salmon colored pants, let him. Everyone loves Bill, salmon. Did did Berm or did Berm not wear the same color pink shorts as me multiple times covering the team last year? He sure did. I also, uh, I think a time or two had to see Berm's toes at a press availability, and I didn't say anything about that because hey, I was wearing flip flops. Sometimes, sometimes you go straight from the beach to the to the to the Woody. You know, all the there's beaches a, in Central Ohio. There's a there's a beach across the border into the, Michigan. This is the thing you guys don't understand. Uh, my job at these press conferences is to be casual. I'm I'm I'm, I'm there to function. I'm not. There Who to told be you that? Me. Who told you that? That's how I feel. <laughs> and all I know is that in the year 2023, how I feel is what's most important. <laughs> and I feel like sometimes I don't want to wear socks. At least I'm not so, wearing socks. At least I'm not wearing socks with my sandals. So you wear colorful shorts 
And we have all of the exact same quarter zips. I also so have you tell- I also have shoes that match like pretty much everything I wear. So well, so if I if we are wearing the same color shorts and identical quarter zips, and you're wearing flip flops with no socks, and I'm wearing actual shoes, mm. I'm pretty sure the one who's dressed poorly is you. I think mm. that what should be noted here is that if I'm wearing shorts, I'm also not wearing a quarter zip. I'm wearing a polo uh or a t-shirt big mistake because, t-shirt because these are generally what i wear at camp settings um although i yeah. certainly never wear flip-flops at camps because i'm on my feet for 10 hours at a time and no matter how comfortable my flip-flops are uh they're no. not that comfortable don't make me start complimenting how hard you have to work at those again i'm done <laughs> do it <laughs> do we have any more questions yeah we uh, we liked this one uh we have more and we'll get to other mailbags uh because we still have what three weeks until a month until spring ball starts so uh you'll have to keep bearing with us on these freaky fridays probably for a while but what was the worst job you each had before getting into the sports media world berm had more of them i think uh than bill and i combined but this is an interesting uh topic as well i'm gonna it's gonna sound like i'm skirting the answer here but i i don't think i've ever had a bad job i like working um Certainly there's days when I don't want to work, but, um, I, I once worked at a golf retail shop when I was like 18 to 18 to 20. That was like an incredibly great time. Met some of my best friends there. They're still my best friends. That was awesome. Uh, worked in restaurants, which is great. Meet a lot of crazy people. Uh, didn't love the hours. I guess. So, so I guess if I had to say that it's the hours of running restaurants that were the worst part, um, when you're there till three in the morning, probably led to my first divorce, uh, more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I should say my divorce because that's, that's that's the only one I've had. It's not my first one. But <laughs> oh like, no, a- Angie, turn off the show. I, I think the point is like <laughs> when you're working in a and you're working diametrically opposite schedules of your spouse, like it becomes difficult yeah. to be invested in each other. So you know betterment. So, um, but uh, yeah, I don't really, I didn't really ever hate any job I had. I like working. I like being around people and talking to people generally. So. I had that's a, quite a change for you. Yeah. A, uh, you, just because deep. I just, just because I have a resting bee face doesn't mean I, I'm not enjoying <laughs> myself. I like being around people. Generally. <laughs> I like people. If I didn't like people, how can I do this job? I spend 10 hours a day talking to teenagers. I mean, it's <laughs> I have to like talking to people. That's true. Um, I don't know if I, I I forgive me. I might have told this on like a road beers episode or something. We got a similar question because it's like the only bad job I ever had. Um, after I graduated college and I didn't have a real job yet, I, I, a friend of mine was nice enough to like get me a job at the factory where his dad was like a, a big wig. And that factory made like springs and I like all different kinds of springs, like the springs that go inside like your clicky pen and like springs that go on a tank like lockheed martin was one of the one of the companies we we made springs for um but my job was to uh just take barrels full of springs of various sizes uh dump them onto this conveyor belt that ran through an 800 degree oven and then pick them up on the other side and toss them back into the barrel uh that job was an hour and a half from my house i had to be there at seven o'clock in the morning uh, and at that time, uh, I was also freelancing for a paper in New Jersey covering Little League Baseball. So I would go to that job at 7 o'clock in the morning, leave my house about 5.30, get done, go to Planet Fitness to shower, and then go interview 12-year-olds after they got done playing a baseball game, get home at like 
10 and then like wake up at five and do it all over again. And that was the summer after I graduated college. No, I've never heard that story. Ooh. And uh, that's awful. Was it called springs and things? That's what I would call <laughs> no, it. Called. If, I, if I had a, if I had a spring factory, I'd call it springs and things. Springs and things. No, it was called uh, Atlantic Spring in Flemington, New Jersey. It was a fantastic company, uh, but I, I am not made out for manual labor. Oh, man. Springs and things. Hope Springs Incorporated. Oh, yeah. Springs yeah. Springs Eternal. I like a LLC. That's called Hope's Hope Springs that makes a spring that helps fire a <laughs> missile off an F-16. <laughs> what was your favorite spring, though, Bill? Like, if you had to pick, if you had to go back in time and, and let's say, God mm. forbid, world ends, you called up to the pearly gates, there's St. Paul, and he's like, yo, what's your favorite spring? Or you don't get in. What is it? What's the answer? Yeah, I think the ones that were like long enough that they were almost like a slinky, like they got they got kind of unwieldy, and that, that was fun when you tried to get them off the conveyor belt and then you burn the crap out of your forearms. <laughs> I never considered this... sp- sprinky, uh, uh, you know, uh, what are those things? Slinkies as a weapon, but now I'm sort of into it. Also, it's St. <laughs> Peter. I understand, folks. I, I, I misspoke. Sorry. Anyway, well, none of us none of us really know, Berm. It could true, be anybody. We're making be, assumptions. Could... Yeah. Um... <laughs> That's you did not tell that story on road breaks, by the way. I've never heard okay. that one. No, because I would have broke down crying in my beer if you had. <laughs> that was that was miserable. That it was pretty terrible. awful. <laughs> that sounds uh, terrible. I f- I feel pretty fortunate as well. Like I didn't really uh, have to do part time jobs or take anything in between. I went straight from uh, school to the Casper Star Tribune, uh, so there was no real lag time. But I. I did work for the Casper Rockies rookie A baseball team when I was in high school as their on-field promotions assistant, and that job sounds pretty pretty fine and pretty boring um, until you until the night where the mascot doesn't show up for work and somebody has somebody to has to be on, the mascot. Somebody has to put on Hobart the platypuses. <laughs> extremely heavy um uh bulky furry mascot costume in the middle of the summer in Casper. if you don't believe i just happened to look behind my desk here excuse my reach hold on wait Uh, so 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 that goes back to the first question now we know where you got those pants (laughs) you were wearing them as hobart the platypus now, there's a lot of questions that you may ask. Are, are, are platypi native to Casper? No, they, they are not. How, uh, have there been more platypi <laughs> found in Wyoming than there have been wolverines found in Michigan? <laughs> well, as far as I know, there's never been a platypus other than this purple one. There he is. That, uh, oh, my God. Please tell me you I, have a photo of you dressed up as that damn thing. <laughs> well, uh, see, here's the thing about dressing up as a mascot bird. You can't see that I'm in it. So there are pictures. I had to do the whole series. Uh, I I don't know this like three, four nights, like, and I have so much respect for um, people who do that Um, miserable job out there. It's so hot. It's so, (laughs) it's so painful. And there was no like cooling system. This was, 25 years ago i think it's probably easier now than uh or I lightweight hope it materials is like, yeah it's and heavy why they chose sp- this platypus, heavy duty springs this platypus, 
and why they couldn't just put like a platypus head on it like brutus like hey that's easy like you just you're i'm so no no offense to brutus is out there but like come on how hot and miserable is that for you in september try putting on 60 more pounds of platypus fur and trying to run around the bases against a five-year-old kid you're supposed to lose so like oh trip on third base ha 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 great then how am i gonna get back up You know, but in their defense, I don't think that most people would identify a platypus from just its head alone. Mm-hmm. You know, there could be confusion about whether or not it was some other sort of um, swimming bird. Yeah, like it could just duck. be a duck. Yeah, no one wants that. Yeah, be- you're not you're not the ducks. Let's be honest. So, the stadium. Here's how they came. up. They thought they were so clever. The stadium uh, is built right by the North Platte River. Mm-hmm. And you could hit a home run in platypus. Platypus. Yeah. Now I get it. Okay. What a smooth connection they made. Yeah. What you could put any animal in the water there, right? I mean, what? I, come on. Well, it was so dumb. And I hated. Could have been a beaver. So much. Oh, then you would have just oh, had yeah. to wear a tail. Yeah. A lot harder to run in a beaver tail. You speaking from experience? <laughs> Can I, I know uh, that <laughs> oh, no, he's just going to be a mime in every episode. That suit had to smell wild. It was bad. It was so bad because there was only, I mean, there was only one. Like we're talking yeah. about a rookie A-League team. Why do they need a mascot in the first place? That's another <laughs> great question that we ha- didn't get an answer to. But yeah, so like this dude, uh, you know, he, he wore it all summer long. I don't know how often it was dry cleaned. Um <laughs> It, not enough from when the time I had to slide into it. I think I had like six or seven hours notice that I was going to be filling in. And my, my high school girlfriend was so excited. She wanted like, that's where the photos are. Like my, she's wants to get all these hugs with Hobart, the platypus and like just followed me around the entire night laughing and giggling. It was the funniest thing that anyone had ever seen. Like, I don't think that Hobart ever got more attention than that night because all of my friends the guy who did it like wasn't a high school kid. He was just a you know, he professional mascotter. He was a professional, professional mascot. Mas- <laughs> he was a professional mascotter, and like I didn't get paid a professional rate to do this. I got my same minimum wage to do it. But I had all of you, my high school friends following card? me around all night. <laughs> yeah, I'm still collecting residuals off of being Hobart for one series against whoever Missoula. Um, <laughs> the Ogden Raptors, perhaps. Uh, what a league that was, by the way. Um, I enjoyed it wow. a lot more when I got to go back to Casper uh, as an adult, and they had all the dollar beer nights. And uh, as a platypus alumni, were you able to get in for free? Did was there like a I secret don't... club or a handshake that you had to know? <laughs> well, I can't tell you the answer to that, but I've never paid to go to a Casper Rockies game. I can assure yeah, you, it's a that. secret. Wow, is there nutmeg in there? It's a secret. Tastes like cinnamon. <laughs> It's a secret recipe. That's right. So we can't reveal any of those secrets. I, I'm I'm sworn to secrecy as part of this fraternal brotherhood of mascots. He's got or a sisterhood for being a platypus. <laughs> well, they don't even exist anymore because they shut down the, the mighty Plat- Casper Rockies, who tra- who after the notoriety of having a platypus as their mascot ended, they decided that they would lean into another thing that Casper is famous for, which is ghosts ghosts or uh, mm-hmm. see and they I knew that one and they had and they had glow in the dark hats and they were like so they were briefly one of the most popular teams in minor leagues because people wanted to 
Goes well, that one makes sense. Novelty hat. That yeah, one makes yeah. some sense. Casper is. The did they ever have? <laughs> did they ever have '90s heartthrob Devin Sawa come to a game and <laughs> sign stuff as Casper? Not that I'm aware of, mm. but seems like a miss. Allie would have loved that. She just told me that what movie. I don't even know what movie Devin Sawa was in. She wanted to see it, watch it on Netflix. Oh my gosh, I love Devin Sawa. I was like, hmm. I must Great. have missed that Thanks. part of the '90s. I've never heard of this person. Yeah, I was but, pretty invested you know. in the '90s, and I do not remember this. So I don't. I was, what the hell are you guys are talking about? I was definitely concerned that Bill was going to ask if any of those ghosts came out of the wall, but they. <laughs> that's also not yeah. aware of that happening. Um. Hmm. We got wow! It's Freaky Friday. We got to the end. We went much longer than anticipated, but I don't yeah. know if that's a good or bad thing. Well, there's a lot of uh, conversation about platypus that 60% of the watchers will not get to hear because they will have clicked off about 10 minutes ago, and uh, it's probably for everyone's best, uh, you know, mental health, except for yours. Yeah. I'm sorry you had to deal with it. Did you quit immediately thereafter, or did you uh, did you hang out with that job? I definitely didn't finish out the season. I don't I don't know if that was the impetus or not. It probably was. I've tried to block a lot of that experience out of my brain, but um now that I'm thinking about it, I can certainly visualize rounding third and having to trip so that a kid could beat me to home plate. <laughs> I have to ask you this one last question before we hang up here. Uh <laughs> does Liberty know about this? She does not know. And Ooh, she's going to know. She <laughs> I some experiences are are too traumatic to share with your children. You need they need to be protected from the truth. And uh, do you think that anybody from the Columbus Clippers watches or listens to our episodes? <laughs> because if they do, I'm talking know. to you out there, Columbus Clipper guy. Austin J. Ward needs <laughs> to be a mascot at a Clippers game this summer. So whoever <laughs> out there that is watching or listens to this show and knows somebody who works for the Clippers in their front office or their fan experience department, I need you to reach out post haste so that we can arrange for Austin to be dressed up as the Clipper mascot for one game this summer. I'm really glad that Berm doesn't know that there are two mascots for the Columbus crew. Well, you can only be one, obviously. (laughs) You can't dress up as two of them. Oh, I was confused by that because I was Googling them and the name did not match the picture, but now I see there are two. Which one is Austin both of most the, suited for? Both the crew and the Clippers have multiple mascots. I, why? Who knows? I mean, the, well, the crew, I can't obviously, you, you know a lot I, of people that work for the crew, so that's probably easier to arrange. What if we just yeah, had you not, as a mascot at, at a Blue Jackets game, a Clippers game, and a crew game in the next year? I think we could probably arrange that. Jeff Sabota, if you're out there, <laughs> make the reach call. out. We need to get this happening. It's probably a lot easier to be stinger because you're inside in a ice rink yeah but then you have to go out on this on the ice and run around i don't think stinger does that this night he will (laughs) oh buddy (laughs) this night he will i can't wait that's we finally got something to do this summer this is awesome now we can talk about something else for the next three weeks because this episode has to be over now Uh, I was trying to end it, and then it went in a way that's probably going to end poorly for me. Um, That's going to happen. That's going to be great. (laughs) Reach out, America. Do your job. Oh, no. Now I'm on the receiving end of one of our hashtags. I'm going to know what it's like to have been Parker Fleming last year in September. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, that's the end. I guess that's the mission from Berm to America. 
uh, in the Greater Columbus Sports Commission, I guess, moving forward. Uh, thanks for tolerating us on a Freaky Friday. I uh, hope there was enough football conversation in there to entertain you uh, before the madness truly began. Uh, hope everybody has a great weekend. I was going to ask about the Super Bowl, but uh, I think we know what Bill wants to happen. Berm's too sad about the AFC Championship game. So uh, enjoy the last weekend of real live football. Uh, and we'll be back uh, on Monday with the podcast daily. Uh, thanks again. We'll talk to you later. Go Birds.